a Bible, John chapter 11 is where we're going today. If you've been with us for a while, you know John chapter 11 um, is where we're going to be for the next several weeks. Uh, we're in week number three of a series called Grave Robbers, and we are really talking about um, what has us buried in life and, and how to step into the freedom um, that Jesus offers us when Jesus calls out to us and taking our next steps and, and, and just, just stepping into what Jesus has for us. If we'll simply let him, if we'll simply just allow him, if we'll simply just call out to him, if we'll simply listen when he calls out to us, if we'll just tap out um, when we're in a bad situation. Um, that thought right there came to me this week. Um, I was putting this message together, and um, I heard a story, uh, allegedly, um, of a kid uh, who is at high school. Um, in his high school class, they had, like, career day. You, you know what I'm talking about when I say career day? When people come in and say, this is what you ought to be when you grow up. Um, at this particular high school on this day, um, the Army and National Guard were there, um, and they were talking about how great it is to serve your country and all that. Um, and one of the soldiers began to talk about um, how tough he was and, and kind of bragging a little bit. Now, a couple things. If you're going to do that, um, we would all agree that you ought to be able to back it up, yes or no? Yes, all right, and so if you're going to talk big and you can't back it up, make sure you're at like kindergarten career day or something, all right, like, hey, I can finger paint better than you can, promise. Um, and so this guy challenged the class to see if anybody thought they were tough enough to take him on. Now, well, as things go, and as it happens with teenagers, um, the class said, hey, this kid over here can. And so the soldier is like, do you really think you can? He's like, oh, man, we're at school. Like, we shouldn't do this. And so he starts talking. The soldier starts kind of talking a little bit of smack and calls him up in front of the class and says, you really can't do it. You're just afraid. Um, things quickly got out of hand, allegedly. Again, I'm just telling you a story that I, that I heard. Um, quickly got out of hand for this soldier. Um, he found out he was in over his head, and he began to cry out for help. And somebody had to step in and break it up. Um, there's video of this that's gone like completely viral, like tens of thousands of hits. There's actually like four or five different versions of this thing. Um, we have one of the versions here. Would you guys like to see it? All right, here you go. Check this out. Career day. Now, we, I have, first of all, I have no idea whose kid that is. And so if that's your kid, congrats. Like, he's a stud. Um, but secondly, um, the, the music's on there for a few reasons. Um, number one, teenagers are filming it. Um, so there's some inappropriate church words. Even for Central, they're inappropriate church words. And the yelling and the screaming and all of that. And so um, I know what you're thinking. Uh, that's great, Ryan. That's awesome. Um, came to church today for pancakes and to learn about Jesus. Love this. You're, you know, you're talking about a high school kid and some army wrestling dude or gym teacher, whatever. Um, what does this have to do with anything going on in my life? Well, I think, actually, uh, it does have a connection because I would say that there are probably some people here right now that you're in the middle of a battle that, listen to me, you're not supposed to fight, and you feel like, you're getting completely worn out by the enemy. And so before you leave today, I'm hopefully going to, let, to give you some hope, that you can walk out of here with some hope. And my prayer is, if you feel like you're getting beat down, and you feel like you're getting wore out, that you're in a situation that has you in over your head, if you're in a situation you feel like you can't handle, whether you got there yourself or somebody put you there, my prayer is that you will simply cry out and allow Jesus to step in and fight in your place. If we will just cry out to Jesus, if we will just tap out and step aside and allow him to fight for us in our place, we can really walk in victory, church, I promise you. So with that as a setup, let's kind of review of where we're at in this series, and then we'll jump in. Um, we're looking at a guy named Lazarus. Um, Jesus finds out that Lazarus um, is in what condition? He's what? 
sick, right? His sisters send him um, word and say, hey, your, your brother or our brother um, is sick. Your friend, the one that you love, he is sick. John tells us three times in the first three verses of the book of John that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus stands up and he says, hey, don't worry. This sickness will not end in death, right? And then he sits down. He doesn't move. As a matter of fact, he sat down and he said, oh, this is all for the glory of God. No big deal. Doesn't do a thing. He just kind of hangs out. And so week number one, we said we all have a difficult time trusting God. And we have a difficult time trusting God because we often feel like God isn't moving the way that we think he should move. He's not doing the things we think that he should be doing. He's not... He's not stepping in when we feel like he should step in. And so because of that, we have a difficult time trusting God. Then last week, we talked about how Jesus finally said, all right, let's go see Lazarus. And remember, the disciples didn't want to go because they were going back to Judea. And in Judea, that was the place where Jesus had rocks thrown at them. And so they're like, hey, if if they throw rocks at Jesus and they miss Jesus, it's going to hit us. And so the disciples were like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. And we talked about how sometimes, even when we know the right thing to do, sometimes even when we know the next step that all of us need to take, we said it's difficult. And we talked about God will, God will always reveal our next step to us when we, when we ask him what it is. And that next step is going to be simple, yet it's going to be incredibly difficult. And we talked about the nuances of that. And we said even if you find it difficult to take your next step, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad Christian. It just means that you're human because all of us find difficulty in some way, shape, form, or fashion in taking our next step. And within that, we blew up the myth of the closer you get to Jesus, the easier it is to follow him. Because people want to tell us that all the time. Well, the closer you get to Jesus, the easier it is to follow him. If you just follow Jesus step by step, everything's going to be rainbows and puppy dogs. And we know that's not true because the disciples were close, right? The disciples, we agreed on that. The disciples are closer to Jesus than any of us have ever been. They'd seen things that we've never seen. They'd heard things that we had never heard. I mean, they, they were front row seats to the miraculous, and they still had a difficult time taking that next step. Well, that's where we're going to pick up the story in verse 17, where they're actually heading there, and they're taking that step. This is what the Bible says, um, John chapter 11, verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Four, how many days? Four days. Now, I've been late a time or two, but th- like he didn't even make it to the funeral. This is late, yes or no? Yes. Most of us un- understand, like we know, there are two types of people. There are on-time people and there are late people. Now, when I say on-time people, I'm talking about there are people in this room, you're kind of like me. If you're 15 minutes early, you're still late. Like, I- I'm obsessed with being on time. I'm the only one in my house that is, but I'm like obsessive about being on time. If I tell you I'm going to be somewhere at 10 o'clock, like I'm there at 9.45. I just sit in the parking lot, play on my phone or, or whatever till it's time. I've got to be on time. I have to be on time. If you're respectful, if you love Jesus, you will be on time. Anybody with me? You're always on time. Anybody? Then there are other people who are still all eating pancakes right now. You're always late, always, and you always have an excuse. It was the traffic. It was the kids. It was the dog. You don't even have a dog, but you blame it on the dog, right? I literally have a friend, has never been on time a day in his life. Like, this dude will call you when he's supposed to be there. Hey, man, I'm 10 minutes away. Dude, your snap maps show that you're in Omaha. I know I can make it in 10 minutes. You're like, what the heck? You're always late. Now, we all have reasons, and we can stand up here, and we can talk about reasons for being late, and we can do all of that, and we can go back and forth with on time or late or whatever. But Jesus is four days late. And you're like, Jesus, what, what's going on? It's not like there was a camel jam on the way to Bethany. It's not like he's sitting there like, come on, man. Beep, beep, let's go. Get out of my way, right? Four days. Four days late. Now, just a question. This is an easy question. All right, just want to know. I want you to be honest. If you're the sisters of Lazarus, if you're Mary and Martha who sent word to Jesus that their brother was sick, 
who say, hey, Jesus, the one that you love, your friend, your boy, you're like, ain't number one road dog. Like, he is sick, and he shows up four days late. If he shows up four days late after the funeral had already taken place, does it seem like he cares, yes or no? No! No, because Jesus, Jesus, if you would have cared, you would have come right when I called you. Jesus, if you would have cared, like, Jesus, you didn't even have to come. Dude, you could have just spoken a word and our brother could have been healed. You didn't even have to, you didn't have to show up. They, they could have said that because there's evidence throughout the Gospels that Jesus just spoke words and people were healed. But Jesus, Jesus, not only did you not show up, you showed up four days late. Now here's what's really interesting about the whole four-day thing. In Jewish culture, they believed that the spirit left the body on the third day. So four days, so four days means there's no hope at all. And so don't miss this. Right here in this story, when there's no hope, when everybody is devastated, when everybody's lives are shatters and in pieces, that's when Jesus shows up. And the reason I think that that matters is because I would be willing to bet that there are some people here today, you're going through some stuff. You're going through some issues. There are some things going on in your life. And you've asked God to help. And you've asked Jesus to show up. And today, you feel like he hasn't shown up. Or he hasn't moved in the way you thought he should move. And so you're starting to feel like, does he even care? Does he? Like, does he even care about what's going on in my life? Does he even care about what I'm going through? And I want you to listen to me. I get it. I do. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I know I say this all the time, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to push on it again and again and again. If you're questioning God, if you're questioning what's going on, it's okay. He's big enough to not be bothered by our questions. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It means that you're normal because people legit wrestle with this stuff. Do you even care? Do you even understand, God, what's going on in my life? Do you even know what I'm feeling? Does it even matter to you? Jesus shows up four days late. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. Watch this, verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Now, I, 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 you got to give me time to set this up. i got to set it up like this. Um, a lot of times we talk about in church, we start out with talking about our similarities. We want to get on common ground. We want to be like, hey, we're all together. We're all united. We're all in this together. Um, but sometimes it's cool to talk about our differences because we all have different things that we like. We have things that, that we enjoy doing. We have things that we don't enjoy doing. And we have different preferences. There are things that, that we like to do that other people think are completely weird and annoy the heck out of other people. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like for example, how many of you are a morning person? Like, you wake up, and you're like, hey, I'm so blessed to be starting a new day. How many of you? How many of you are morning people? How many of you, you ain't going to tell us because you know I'm about to make fun of you. Like, that's why you ain't raising your hand right away. How many of you are night owls, and you hate morning people? How many of that? Yeah. Those people are like, hey, and you're like, ugh. I'm just, hypothetically, I don't know. Here, here's another one. Maybe you'll identify more with this because it's Pancake Sunday. Um, how many of you are sectional eaters? You, you know what I mean by sectional eaters? Like, like you, you separate out your food and you eat like the worst thing on your plate. You go from worst to first. How, how many of you are like that? How many of you eat all at once because you're just like goes to the same place, comes out the same way, don't even matter? <laughs> how many of you, like well, I'll do one more. This one's my favorite. How many of you wash a towel after one use? How many of you do it? How many of you, come on, own it, own it, it's okay. How many of you are like, well, I'm clean when I dry off with it. And so, like, you didn't even know it needed to be washed until you got married, and your wife was like, how long have you been using that towel? Three years? Yeah! Hypothetically, I'm just saying, maybe I might have heard that happen to somebody. I got video of it. One of, I'm just kidding, I don't. <laughs> Where are you going with this one? All right, we all have different preferences. We all have things that we like. We have things we don't like. We have things um, that we enjoy doing. We have um, things that we enjoy doing with other people. Um, we have things that we don't like done to us. And, and, and we all deal with emotions differently. And one of the emotions that we all deal differently with 
is pain. Every single person in this room, we've talked about this before, you know what it's like to hurt. Not just physically, but we know what it's like to hurt emotionally, and we know what it's like to hurt spiritually. And one of the worst things in the world is when we're dealing with our pain, and somebody that we're close to, they're over their pain, and they get mad at us for still being in pain. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like we're going through the same situation. The same tragic event has happened to both of us, and, and I'm still dealing with it, but maybe a friend or a family member has already gotten past it, and they're moving on, and, and, and they got healed in a different way, and they're able to process it better, but they're angry and they're upset with me or with you because we're still in the midst of it. And I have told you over and over and over again this year, healing is a process, right? Healing is a process, but just like healing is a process, getting past pain is a process as well. And getting past pain, getting past pain, getting through the process of pain, dealing with pain looks different for every single one of us, which is, as we look at this story, we see Martha, Martha and Mary, dealing with pain and sadness, yes or no? Yes, loss of their brother, death, or, or pain, and sadness. And, and so Mar- Martha, she goes to see him, but Mary stays at home. Now, on the surface, it looks like Martha's the good guy and Mary's the bad guy. Um, but that's not true. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we'll look at something that Mary did that was an incredible act of worship that we still talk about over 2,000 years later. It was Mary who performs the act of worship, not Martha. But right here in this story, right where we're at right now, Martha feels like, I've got to get in the presence of Jesus. She hears that he's there, and she's like, I've got to get there. But it's not for the reason that we might on the surface think. Mary, however, she's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to see him. And for those of you who know what your next step is, for those of you who know the step you need to take, but you're wrestling with, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready, God. I don't want to do that right now. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I understand what you're saying. I know what you want me to do, but I'm just ready. Again, that does not mean you're a bad person. It does not mean that you're a bad Christian. It just means that you're human. However, I would encourage you today, ask Jesus to continue to prepare you to take your next step. And in his time and in his way, he will because he always comes through, always. So Martha, Martha goes, Mary stays at home. And everybody's like, oh, Martha must just really, really, really love God. No, 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 no. Look what she does. Like, this, this is crazy. Verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Like, she's mad. She's upset. This is not a moment of worship. This is her being ticked off. But then she says this. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. This is kind of like, I can't believe you did that but I still think you're cool. Can we still, like, be friends? It's kind of like when, when you say something like, oh, my gosh, she is so ugly. Bless her heart, right? It's kind of like, he's so stupid. Bless his heart. Like, you try to cover something up. when you Like, that's what's going on here. And, and Martha, this I love this, love this, love this. Martha goes to Jesus, and she's honest. She's not just blowing smoke up his rear end. She is absolutely legit real she didn't say oh jesus no matter what no matter the situation i will just praise you in the storm listen i heard that song the other day praise you in the storm great song great song i'm not dogging that song great song i love that song we sing it here sometimes at church i'll praise you in the storm but here's my thing do you know that people who say well just praise him in the storm like, you know how they can say that? Because they're not in a flipping storm. Because think, think about this. If you're, if you're outside the church, if you're in the field over there, and you're in the middle of a storm, like there's lightning, and there's hail, and there's sideways rain, Janae. Like, there's all of that going on. Like, nobody stops. He goes, you know what? I just feel like this is just an appropriate time to just praise you in the storm. You are so worthy, and you are so, no! This is a very appropriate time to get your butt back in the house because there's a stinking storm, right? 
I wish I could play, praise him in the storm. I do, I do, I do. I wish I could praise him in the storm. But not even the disciples, think about this, not even the disciples were able to praise him in the storm. If you remember in Matthew chapter 14, there's a story um, of, of a storm going on. The boat is rocking, and the disciples are freaking out, and they think they're about to sink. And here comes Jesus walking across the water, and, and they look out. Where, where in the story are they going, ah, here comes Jesus. Woohoo! we're saved. Oh, praise your holy name, Jesus. You are awesome. No! The disciples are like crapping their pants. It's absolutely crazy. And so listen, listen, listen. Don't miss this. Don't run out of here and say, Pastor Ryan isn't praising Jesus. No, no, no. I am all about praising Jesus. All 100% about praising Jesus. I'm all about praising him in the storm. But people who usually say, well, you should just praise him in the storm, are not in the storm that you are in. Because if they were in the storm that you are in, if they were in the fight that you are in, if they've had to go through the same hell that you're going through, they would not be talking about praise him in the storm, right? Because right here in this story, like the reason I think that we see a miracle is because Martha gets incredibly honest with Jesus. She doesn't show up with some cheesy Christian phrase and pretend everything is okay. She says, you know what, Jesus? I'm mad. I'm ticked off at you, dude, because if you would have been here, my brother would not be dead. She got real. She got vulnerable. She got honest. And I think that's ultimately a foundation for a miracle. When we stop playing games, I think it's when we stop playing games with God and we say, this is how I'm feeling. This is how, what I'm going through. I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm ticked off. God, I can't believe that you did this. I'm, I'm talking about screaming. I'm talking about crying. I'm talking about throwing some fists up in the air. Sometimes it takes that. Like, I think, church, we need to not play games, and we need, in our relationship with God, we don't need to be fake and pretend like everything is okay. We need to be real with him. That's what Martha did. But then she caught herself. And she paused. And, 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 and I can't prove this, um, but I think this is what she did. And I got the microphone, and I'm teaching today, so you got to listen to what I say. I think she said, you didn't do what I asked you to do. But I ain't going to unfriend you on Facebook. Like, we're still cool because you maybe still can, like, hook, help me out and stuff. Like, I, I just kind of think that's what happened because look at verse 23. Then Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Now, this is sort of a problem. Most of us, our problem with us, because if you've been here for the past two weeks, um, you know what's going to happen in this story. I hope I don't ruin this for you. Um, but Lazarus is eventually going to raise from the dead. Like, he's going to be raised from the dead. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Um, but Martha, um, Martha hadn't read John chapter 11 yet, because John chapter 11, none of John actually, hasn't even been written. And so when Jesus tells her this, when Jesus says, your brother will rise again, that's an unbelievable statement from Jesus. Because in Martha's mind, that is impossible. There was no way that that was going to happen. There's no way that that could happen. That right there is absolutely impossible. And the reason I think it's important for us to look at that and to point that out is because maybe there's somebody here today, you're staring down a situation that you feel like is impossible, and you're listening to us make statements that say, no matter the situation, Jesus has no limitation, and you're saying, Ryan, you don't understand my situation. There's no way he can come through for me right now. There's no way he can call me out of what's got me buried right now. There's no way that he can save me right now. But you need to hear me, church. Anytime we think something is impossible, we need to remember we serve a God. God who brings dead things back to life. Amen? Jesus went from the tomb to the grave to he lives today. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, the same spirit that lives in Je the same the same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead, he lives in you and he lives in me. And in Jesus, nothing is impossible. In Jesus, nothing is impossible. In Jesus, what is impossible? Nothing is impossible. So he makes this promise, and Martha, man, she just, she just doesn't get it. But, but she's, trying to, she's trying to understand, and she's trying to believe, and she's trying to stay faithful, and she's trying to stay connected in the conversation. And so she says this in verse 24. She's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, I know. He will rise when everyone else rises. 
at the last day. She didn't understand the miracle that Jesus was about to do. One of the reasons that I tell people, um, the reason I would ask you to consider giving your life to Jesus or taking your next step, whatever the next step is, is because his ways really are better than our ways. His thoughts really are higher than our thoughts. He, he really does want to do things in our lives that in our minds we think are impossible, but in his hands they're, they're just normal. And he wants us to believe that. And he wants us to feel that. He wants us to trust that. And he wants us to step into that. Because in verse 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now, a few things here. and I'm going to kind of phrase by phrase go through this section. Um, I think the first part of this, I, I think this is a case of, of, of Martha not fully recognizing who Jesus is. You, you ever been in a situation like that where you didn't fully recognize who somebody is? You didn't maybe understand the authority that they might have had to, to help you or to hurt you? or what? You, you ever been in a situation like that? You just didn't recognize somebody? I was at a pastor's conference years ago, um, and I got to go out to eat with a bunch of the speakers, and um, I was sitting across from a guy. I had, I had no idea who he was. I, could, I just I did, didn't, didn't know. Um, he was a famous Christian author. He had written a bunch of books, and he introduced himself. He was like, hey, I'm so-and-so. You've probably read my books, and I hadn't. <laughs> like, I'm the only person at this entire table, probably in the whole restaurant, who either, A, um, really hadn't read his books um, and was honest with him, or, or B, like, like, I mean, just, like uh, I, don't, I just don't know. Like, I, didn't, I, I hadn't read anything, legit. Um, and when I was a <laughs> funny story, when I was in Bible college, um, we made fun of his books and his theology. And so me sitting across from him was like incredibly awkward. It was like one of those moments of like, ha ha, God, you're so funny. And, um, and it was crazy because he's talking, he's talking about his books, he's talking about these things to the people around. They're engaged in the conversation. It was just absolutely horrible and miserable for me. Had I recognized who he was at the beginning, I would have went and I would have sat somewhere else. I wouldn't have sat by him. Sometimes when you don't recognize somebody or you don't understand who you're talking to, you'll do and say things that you don't really get. That, that's what's going on here in this story. Martha, she's like, hey, he's, he's going to live again one day. Like, I, I'm sure it's going to happen. And Jesus said, no. Hey, Martha, I am the resurrection. Like, it, it's me. Martha, I am life, Martha. Like, like what you think doesn't exist, it actually does exist, and it exists in me. And it's not one day he will rise again. It's today, girl. And, 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 and Martha, like, like one of the things in this series, we've, we've, been, we've been talking about myths that people believe in Christianity. And one of the myths that we really have to get past is, well, you accept Jesus, and then you're miserable until the day you die, but then when you get to heaven, everything is all better. You, you ever heard that before? Like, there are songs about that. When we all get to heaven, everything will be better. I, I don't even know how it goes, but it's, it, I've kind of blocked out all of my Baptists in my head. Um, but the hymns, and they sing that and stuff. And Jesus said, Jesus said, listen, 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 I came to give you abundant life. And he wasn't talking about just everlasting life. He wasn't talking about life in heaven. He's like, I've come to give you abundant life right now. In other words, if we're saved and we're miserable, it's not because he's doing something wrong. It's because we're not doing things right. Because Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and I am the life. And I've come to give you abundant life. Then he says this. He says, anyone. Now, in the Greek, anyone means anyone want to guess? Anyone, right? R really simple. He says, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And then watch this. He says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Like, this is a direct question to Martha. I can almost imagine Jesus making eye contact with her. Hey, Martha, look, right here, right here, focus. Woohoo, Martha here. Hey, Martha, Martha. The little baby looks. She's like, what? <laughs> Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Now watch what she says, verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Is that what he asked her, yes or no? No, did she answer the question? No, not really. 
She doesn't really answer the question. She avoids it. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection of life. He who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she's like, oh, I always believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come from the world, from God. But I don't really, it's like she doesn't answer the question. And, and, and listen, don't miss this, because I've, I've looked at this forever. And I'm like, how does she just not, how is she just not so excited and understand what Jesus can do? But then I've been thinking about how none of us, would probably answer this right. Because if we're near the tomb, if we're at a tomb of somebody that we love, and somebody comes up after they're already in the ground and says, hey, he can live, do you believe this? None of us are like, yes, awesome, let's go, like right now, call him out, let's go. We would all be wrestling with our faith. Now some people say right here, Martha has totally lost her faith. I I don't know that she's totally lost it, I don't know if it's completely, completely buried. I don't know if it's gone. I don't know if she's just so mad at Jesus that she can't see straight. But I think we see her fighting to hang on to her faith here. Because watch this. Then she returned to Mary. And something happened in Martha. And I was going to take this in a totally different direction. And I might talk, come back and talk about this in a couple of weeks. I, I don't know what really happened to Martha. But she goes to Mary And the Bible says this, she returned to Mary, she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. And that phrase right there, the teacher is here and wants to see you, like like that's the thing, like uh, that just, like where? Where does Jesus say that? Where does Jesus say, hey, go get your sister so we can talk about that? Like I I think in a couple of weeks I'm going to come back and talk about that. But I thought about something this week as I was putting this together, as I'm kind of reading through this. Martha has this experience with Jesus. Does she get her question answered? Yes or no? No. Does Jesus make her a promise? Yes. Does she believe the promise? No. From the outside looking in, there's nothing real positive that happens in Mary's, or I mean in Martha's life in this encounter with Jesus on the surface. But I believe beneath the surface there was something inside of her, some kind of fire that was kind of kindled during that connection that she was having with Jesus. And she was like, I just can't have this moment to myself. I've got to go get my sister. And she goes back and she gets Mary and she brings Mary to Jesus. And the reason I would bring that up is because every single one of us in this room that has made any sort of spiritual progress in our lives, we have done so because somebody stepped into our lives and invited us to take our next step. Because listen to me, healing does not take place apart from relationship. Healing does not take place apart from relationship. Nobody has ever grown themselves closer to God, and nobody has ever healed themselves. If we're going to grow in our relationship, we're going to be healed in our relationship with Jesus, it's going to take a Martha stepping into our lives saying, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I just know I'm hurting, I know you're hurting, but I know there's this man. His name is Jesus, and I know if we get in front of him, I'm not sure how he's going to answer us, but I just know that when I'm in his presence, I feel this peace that surpasses all understanding. So Mary, come with me, and let's go hang out with Jesus. There are people here probably today that I want you to listen to me. You need healing. You need healing because you are in pain. And listen, hear this, healing does not take place apart from relationship. It it, it doesn't. Every single one of us needs to understand that. And I love the fact. I love the fact that that maybe even if if she made it up, Martha went and did whatever it took to go get her sister Mary and put her in front of Jesus. Don't miss, like when I tell you, when I tell you that healing doesn't take place apart from relationship, I'm talking about real relationship. That's important for you to know real relationship. I'm talking about people that you know and people that know you. Because in the church world, we've talked about this before, we've made it where you have to show up and we feel like we've got to be fake. But let me promise you something. Fake people never experience healing, ever. Fake people do not experience healing. But the reason we're fake is because we know if we're real, People are going to freak out on us. And I'm telling you, let me, let me just say it like this. You've got to be around people that you know and that know you and you can be real with and you can be authentic with and you don't have to be fake with. One of these days when I'm gone, like, like if I've got three people, three people that I could call my friends, that's going to be a win. 
Because I would rather be loved by three people than admired by thousands who I feel like I have to perform for. And, and if that's true for me, that's true for you too. There are too many people in this world, probably in this room, in our church, you allow other people to define you, and you don't allow God to define you. Heck, you allow other people on social media, people who have digital courage to define who you are. But you've got people in your life who are saying stuff about you, saying stuff to you, and they don't even know you. They don't know the battles you've fought. They don't know the hell you've gone through. They don't know what you wake up and face every single day. So why in the world do you continue to let them define you? Why? You need to block them, ban them, put your phone down, and you need to find yourself a Mary or a Martha who will walk through you or with you through the hell that you're going through and take you to a place where you can meet a man named Jesus. I, I, I love what happens here. Martha goes and gets Mary, and she doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't go back to Mary, and she doesn't say, oh, I figured all this out. Because you know what I've discovered about people that, that want to fix you? People that want to fix you. If you don't do exactly what they tell you to do, then they'll tell other people how broken you are. And then one day, when you do get healed, they can't handle your healing. Right? So, so Martha, messed up, jacked up Martha, goes and gets Mary and says, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but I think you need to come and see Jesus. And then watch what happens. This is crazy. Verse 30, Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep because people always think that they know what you're doing, right? Another message for another time. Uh, grave to weep, so they followed her there. Watch this. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. Now, does anybody remember what Martha said to Jesus when she first saw him? Lord, if you had been here, right? If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Remember that? That's what she said. That's what Martha said when she got there. Now, here comes Mary, and look what she says. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. <laughs> Obviously, Mary and Martha have talked about this. They arrived at the same conclusion. They're both upset. But don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this, because this is something in the story. I've been reading this for years, and I just recently saw this. The Bible says Mary fell at his feet. That is a sign of trust and submission. And so she gets there. She's upset, but she falls down, and then she's real, and she's honest, and she's vulnerable. And again, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. I think it takes us being real and honest and vulnerable to set the foundation for amazing things to happen in our lives. Because listen, I believe if we're not real, then we can't ask for what we really need. Because she fell at his feet, and she said, Lord, if you had only been here. In other words, Lord, if you had only done what I had asked you to do, if you had only been here when I asked you to be here, if you had only moved in the way I wanted you to move, I could have escaped all this pain. If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep, what's that word say right there? Anger. And dude, you're four days late. What you got mad being mad about, bro? A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Why did he get mad? I'm going to tell you about it next week. This whole, this whole Jesus, like the next part, the next verse is Jesus wept, right? The shortest verse in the entire Bible. Um, I'm not sure that Jesus wept just because he was sad. Um, we're going to talk about why next week. It's fascinating, so you've got to come back. I see what you did there, Pastor. Can't get nothing past you. Um, verse 34, where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Jesus said, where have you put him? Where have you put him? In other words, Jesus is basically saying, take me to the place where you lost your faith. Take me to the place where your faith is buried. He, he doesn't get mad at them. He doesn't rebuke them for losing their faith. He just says, take me there. And so the walk away that I'm praying everybody will take today is that you will hear the voice of God saying, take me to the place where you lost your faith. Take me to the place where your faith is buried. Take me to the place that has you overwhelmed. Hear me calling out to you. Rise up and trust me because you're fighting a battle you don't need to fight. And, and, and call out and allow me to step in, just like that gym teacher, and help you out. I, I believe Jesus will say, would say to all of us right now, I may not make things better immediately, but I will 
take care of things eventually. Let me close like this. Um, I, I, I really saw this play out last week. It's unbelievable. Um, last week was Mother's Day. And um, really early on in, in my time here, um, the first or second Mother's Day that, that I was here that weekend, um, I got a phone call that nobody ever wants to get, especially anybody in ministry. I got this call that no pastor ever, ever, ever wants to get. Um, some dear friends of mine in Indy, um, we're going to give birth to a, to a stillborn baby. And they called me up, and, and they're just like, we don't know what to do. And, and they were freaking out, and um, I'm, I'm praying with them. And, and they're just like, we're so lost, and we're so confused. And I said, I'm on my way. I'll be there in eight hours. Um, I got in my truck, and I hated it. I didn't even pack anything. I just, just jumped in and just left. I'll just buy something at Walmart if I have to. The whole way there, I'm like, what do I say? I don't, I don't even know what, what, what to do. I had done some teenager funerals and did some, like, I, like this, is, this is devastating. So I called a friend. Um, he and his wife had gone through the exact same thing, and they were, they're now advocates for um, people who, who lose babies. And uh, I was like, hey, man, what? what like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. And he said some things, and I'm like, okay, that, that sounds good, but I don't even understand really what you're saying. Um, and so I sort of had this plan. I got there. It was midnight. And um, I walked in the room, and, and I, I didn't expect to see what, what I saw. The mom and dad are in the room, and and they're holding the baby, and they're just crying. I don't know anything in that moment other than my friends were hurting. My friends were in despair. It was the most devastating thing up until that point in ministry that I had ever seen. So I was like, I'm so sorry. This is so messed up. I don't understand. And they're talking about being mad, and they're talking about being angry, and they're talking about confused. I'm like, I get it. Uh, and, and it was, it was, I'm telling you, it was just, it was rough. And I said, I said, I, I want to tell you guys something. And, and listen to me, um, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I don't, I don't have prophetic words. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't operate in that form. I don't know, I'm not going to argue if people do or people don't or anything like that. Um, but I do know that there are times when the Holy Spirit stirs our heart. The Bible is very clear that there are times that the Holy Spirit, when we don't have words to say, will speak through us. So there was this thought that was in me, and it was deep, and it was deep. And I'm telling, I'm like, I'm not going to say that. I'm not gonna say that to these people. Like, there's no way. And I, I'm kind of. You ever been in that situation? Anybody ever been there where you're kind of arguing? Like, that's dumb, God. Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my. I ain't gonna say that. And it was just over and over and over and over. And so I said, Hey guys, I I gotta say this, man. I, I really, really, really feel like God is saying, one day you're gonna hold life. And I said, I know that doesn't sound good right now, man. I, know, I don't even know how you could even believe that promise right now. I don't, I don't even know how you, can, how you could stand on that, but I just really feel like God is saying one day you're going to hold life. And saying it sounded like the worst possible thing to say in the moment. Like nobody wants to hear anything like that. I'm like one day you're going to hold life. I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but I feel like the promise from God to you is that one day you're going to hold life. I saw a picture uh, of them on Sunday after church. It was on Facebook with their three kids. And the joy that was on their faces. And I just, I just to be honest with you, I know I didn't have nothing to do with it, but I just beamed with pride. And I was just so proud of them and just their faithfulness. And I just, I just remembered back to that moment of, of being with them in that, that moment of despair and, and seeing them on the other side of it. And so I, I busted off this text message and I told them some stuff. And at the end, I'm just like, man, I love you guys. I'm so happy for you and all this other stuff. And they sent me back one and they said a bunch of stuff. But at the end of it, they said, Jesus is faithful. He really does bring life.
And, and I, couldn't even, I couldn't even believe that they remembered that whole thing and me saying that, and it was just kind of crazy. Now, does that take away the pain that happened years ago? No. It doesn't take away any of their pain. But it's proof that in spite of the pain, we can still have hope and we can still have joy if we're willing just to trust him, even in the most difficult times, and believe he really does have a plan and he really does have a purpose for every single one of us. And he wants us in our moments of despair and those times when we're overwhelmed, when we're absolutely buried, when our face is being pressed into the ground, to just call out and ask him to come in Allow us to tap out and let him fight for us and let him stand for us. The girls are going to sing a song called Give Me Faith. And during this song, you can stand, you can sit, you can sing, you can listen. But my hope and my prayer is that you will pray. Especially if you're in the midst of feeling overwhelmed. If you're feeling like, man, just everything is just crashing down and, and, and you're wondering, God, do you even care? Are you even in a place where if you did cry out to God, he could hear you? Or, or, or are, you just, are you just running? Are you sitting in the house like Mary and saying, I'm not ready yet? Or are you on your way like Martha, that no matter what's going on, no matter how upset you are, you're ready to tell him. You're ready to be real. You're ready to be honest. You're ready to be vulnerable. You're ready to just bust it out and say, God, there you are. Here I am. Hey, let's work on this thing. Let's go. I'm ready to tap out. I'm ready to let you. I'm ready to do whatever. I surrender. Matter of fact, the words of this song say, I need you to soften my heart. I need you to break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see you're shaping my life. In other words, I need to understand your plan. I need to understand your purpose. I need to understand this is all you shaping me. All I am, I surrender. Give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. All I am, I surrender. Church, it's time for us to surrender and understand the battle does not belong to us. It's his. Let's sing. Spirit 
may fail But my God, you never will I may be weak Your Spirit's strong in me And my flesh may fail But my God, you never will Give me faith To trust what you say That you're good And your love is great I'm broken inside I give you my life Oh, give me faith To trust what you say That you're good And your love is great Flesh may fail, but my God. 